We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 Fantasy Football Rankings. The rookies, now that they have landed post-draft, it's time to figure out how valuable they are going to be in both your season-long fantasy football drafts and on your teams and in Dynasty, because those are two separate discussions that we want to go through right now. Where do these guys rank amongst the rest of the NFLers that you also have a chance to draft from so far this season and going into the year? And then if you just have rookies available and you're doing a Dynasty draft, where do these guys rank? So to help me break this all down, by the way, smash the like button out there right now. And in the comment section, after you subscribe to Mayo Media Network on YouTube, because there's Tons of football content coming for you very, very soon. So if you enjoy fantasy football, both betting, DFS, and season long, and I guess Dynasty now, uh, we're going to have our own separate Dynasty show. You're going to see me talk a bunch of Dynasty because, you know, I play in one Dynasty league. That's about it for me. And just it's a whole lot of time. And one is all I can focus on right now while I got other stuff <laughs> going on. Uh, so I brought in Jake Seeley from TheAthletic.com to do it. So, Jake, if I was to ask you the question, what I asked the viewers out here to put into the comment section, if it's not Najee Harris, who do you think would be the second best rookie in fantasy football redraft leagues this year? Well, who are you saying is number one then? I would say Harris would be number one. So who would be number two? Oh, so, okay. The way you phrased it, I thought you were saying Harris, you were saying if Harris wasn't number two. So uh, I would actually, this year specifically, it's Harris, uh, would be number one. I agree. Number two, I would say it's Chase kind of easily. But if you're talking rookie only dynasty, as in who I would take number one is a different discussion, as you kind of just mentioned. I'm taking Kyle Pitts for your argument that you make all the time about having Kelsey or Kittle or even both. The fact of if you knew, let's throw other people into this draft. Let's say we knew Nick Chubb was in this draft. We knew Travis Kelsey was in this draft. We knew Tyreek Hill was in this draft for the leg up of what you would get if all these guys end up being what we expect them to be. And Kyle Pitts is Kyle Pitts. He's deserving of the first pick. Obviously not super flex or true quarterback. So, yes, it's Harris. Yes, it's Chase. And then Pitts for me at number three. But if it's rookie only and you're looking for that, 
I'm going Pitts. Yeah, and we'll talk about this from, let's say, a half-point PPR perspective, because there's no way you can be all things to all people, and then it'll just get redundant right. talking about players. Oh, well, in Superflex, they're like this. I think just keeping it the half-point PPR redraft, <laughs> half-point PPR dynasty, I think we can have that discussion about players right now and see who moves up and down, whether it's redraft for one year only, or if it's just rookie-only dynasty draft going forward. So something like Pitts, you say, would be potentially number one for you, or potentially number two, in terms of a dynasty rookie league. In terms of redraft, though, now being on the Falcons, everyone just you know, is kind of penciling him, much like we did with TJ Hawkinson a few years back. Like, oh my God, he's going to fit into this Lions offense. He's going to be incredible. But rookie tight ends usually aren't very good year one. No, but there are, I think there's four or five instances where, so uh, Kyle Pitt's initial number opened at 749.5 receiving yards, and I think there's five all time. The last one to do it was Evan Ingram, uh, and then you have to go back even further than that, and one of the guys, you go back into like the 40s or 50s, somewhere right back then, a, guy, a name I didn't even know. So it doesn't happen often, but you look at the situations where it haven't had happened, Evan Ingram, injuries that year, a lot of injuries. Yeah, it was essentially the number one wide receiver for that team by the end. Uh, you look at some of the others, you know, Shockey's in there. Shockey didn't have that same injury situation, but was able to put up big numbers because he was Shockey. But you're looking at a combination of, one is, it's not hyperbole to say he's at a you know generational talent as much as that term gets thrown around because he was, you know, I jokingly said this to you before when we were doing you know shows back before the draft, is he is he's a wide receiver masquerading as a tight end you know he is as a wide receiver talent alone deserving to be in the conversation with the big quote-unquote three this year so you have him playing tight end the good news about it too is he's not an exceptional blocker he's a good blocker which is actually a good thing because you don't want him to be so good that they ask him to block too much but you want him to be good enough that he doesn't come off the field he should be stepping into the number three target share last year which if you look at it yes julio jones missed games but you have Russell Gage, uh, you know, getting over 100 targets in that game or that season. If you give 100 targets to Kyle Pitts, he should finish as a top five tight end easy. If you give him 80 targets, he'll still be inside the top 10, potentially top five. So, yes, it rarely happens, but rarely do you see a talent like this. If you want to go Hawkinson, you brought his name up. I'm OK with it. But once you get past the big four and you get talking about Pitts, Hawkinson, Tanyan, Fant, Logan Thomas, those kind of guys. I'll go, I'll chase the upside at that point because what are you doing at tight end? You just want somebody to finish top five. You're not looking to get the eighth best tight end. No, you're trying to roll the dice on upside, but I think that I would even try to do something. I just wonder where the cost comes in, I suppose, is the problem. I think when you just look at objective rankings and you're like, oh, yeah, he's the eight, he's number eight tight end this year. Or he's number seven tight end in the rankings. That doesn't mean that if it's like, you know, ADP number 61 or something like that. He's a fifth round, sixth round, seventh round pick. Like, I'll just take Hunter Henry in the last round, and maybe he's the skeleton key in New England. If he's not, I'll drop him and pick someone else up. I just don't think that Pitts will vault into the very top tier. And I don't think it's a big four. I think it's a big two. Then there's a three and maybe a four. Kelsey and Kittle are on a tier by themselves. Waller is probably right yep. after that. And then it's Andrews. And even with Andrews, like, he is the classic almost like a Zach Ertz type tight end as it pertains to fantasy. In real life, they're nothing alike, obviously. But he's going to give you like seven good weeks a year and probably 10 bad weeks a year where he's just as good as every other jabroni you can pick up. Yeah, and that's the concern too, is that obviously now you have another factor in the passing game. If you look at you know whether or not Marquise Brown is the number one or the number two at this point, it's just another factor in a passing game. As much as 
Roman talks it up and they want to pass more is still one of the lowest volumes of targets and attempts for any team. So I'm with you on Andrews. I, I said big four as more as like, they're the consensus top four would have been the better way to say it. I agree with you. It is the big two Waller by himself. And then I would say Andrews, maybe Hawkinson. I, I'm worried about Jared Goff with Hawkinson d- dinging him a little bit. Uh, mostly also because if you're looking at that team very much like the Chiefs is who you're going to stop. You're going to stop the tight end, but they don't have a Tyree kill and they don't have a Patrick Mahomes and they don't have a lot of things. So you can actually just sit there and take away Hawkinson and force Goff to do everything else. So I, I, I'm with you. I have Pitts at number five for that reason, because I'd rather go with him. But your second point is extremely valid and extremely important for people in drafts. If he's going the fifth, sixth round, it's tough to justify doing that on what the return on investment is because even as the fifth best tight end that's fifth sixth round you, you he has to be uh, a, a generational game-breaking rookie tight end to return that value maybe he shocks us all and gets even to 900 plus yards and six or seven touchdowns and then it's fine it's worth it but uh where you brought up other names like you know i'm, I'm a bit you know this i love adam trotman for last year and trotman's walk into a situation very much like a lot of these opportunities where there's targets there now, and there's opportunities there. You could talk about Ferkser. I'm a little lower than most people, but people like him. Blake Jarwin's healthy, and Dak Prescott's back. There's other. Go back to Higby. Higby now has Stafford and no Gerald Everett. Everybody's that, excitement about Higby last year should be now rolled over into this season. That was the name that I was going to point out as sort of like the bottom of that rest of the tier. Because I think you have your two guys. Then you have Waller, just his, especially in half point or even full point PPR, his floor is going to be so good. And then you have Andrews, where you do fall in love a little bit with the upside because you see where it is. Like, how many drop touchdowns did Andrews have last year? 48? <laughs> so, you know, catch half of them, and all of a sudden, you know, you're back up into that conversation. I don't know if Pitts can take that leap. I think he's closer to Tyler Higby than he is Darren Waller, in my mind, at least. I would say he's closer to Darren Waller, the floor is more likely because of what we know so that that's where the difference comes in i I do think that there is a scenario where we're at the end of the year and we're talking about pitts did finish as a top five tight end however with a lot of these guys in this range you're not paying the likely cost and his floor is in the same conversation these guys that's where i'll definitely agree with you by the way love the new backdrop oh thank you the 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 new backdrop looks a little bit like the old backdrop if people are just tuning in because they haven't you know they've seen a bunch of golf up on the channel for me and now i'm back talking football and you guys have come back number one Thank you very much. We're going to have a ton, even more exclusive content up on the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast feed. So go rate and review over on Apple Podcasts over there and subscribe to the channel. And if you see a golf show or whatever show and you don't want to listen, download it anyway. Only helps out the custom bring you more fantasy football content with the best guests around to make up for my lousy suggestions when it pertains to the NFL. Uh, Even if he comes fifth this year, he's the fifth overall tight end and we look at points per game. I still think that he's closer to Higby wherever Higby shows up than he would be to Darren Waller if Darren and Waller comes third. Mm, I think it's like the quarterback I, thing. That you, I think it's like the quarterback thing that we see every year. You're going to have your one, two, or three guys that are way up there and way better than everyone else at this sort of scarce but very flat position. And then like five through 14 is going to be pretty similar. It might not be the same consistency week to week, but total numbers at the end of the season, I think you'll see that. I, I can see, I, again, I see what you're saying. But I do think there's a scenario where he gets to 900 yards and six touchdowns, seven touchdowns even. And in that case, he is behind Waller, but barely. And he's in front of Mark Andrews. So that, that's where I say it's like, I think that's I think it's a realistic expectation if it's what we expect. If we expect 
that he is and definitively is the number three option. Obviously, rookie tight end. Obviously, it's going to depend on if they want to stick with running a lot of three wide and keep a third wide receiver out there with Hayden Hurst blocking and running other routes and Pitts doesn't get out there, which just seems laughable for what you just invested in Pitts and when you have a talent like that. But if they run him out there, kind of similar to, you know, go back to the Gronkowski, Aaron Hernandez days. And one of the things we started to hate at times was seeing Gronkowski block a lot, or even Tampa Bay, when Tampa Bay kept asking OJ Howard to block. And we're like, we're so angry. We're like, get him out there. That's going to be the Hurst situation. We don't have to worry about that. Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews. He's blocking all the time. So if he's the third, again, this is what I'm going to go back to. Forget the 100 plus targets the Gage had. Forget if he gets 85, which is a beyond reasonable number, 85 targets, Kyle Pitts walks out as a top five tight end, in my opinion. Is there any other tight end that you think that we should have on our Raiders, both in Dynasty and in season long? Who's the guy that Pittsburgh drafted? Pat Fryermuth. Yeah, Pat, Pat Firemouth? Perfect. Well, let's just call that. Firemouth. Old Firemouth. Uh, I don't know. Like, is, Does that have any relevancy to 2021? Yes. Oh. Oh, 2021? Eh. 2021, I could see him having some second half relevancy. He's on, This is the flip side of him. That dude's a nasty blocker. This dude's planting people in college. And I mean big linebackers in college. Uh, the concern with that is obviously he's ready to block in the NFL and, you know, the Steelers might not go with him right away of being out there as the clear tight end. It's probably more next year. And then of course you're also talking about a team that goes there three wide receivers before they even start considering the tight end. So I'd say more 2022 for him, Tommy tremble. I'm a big fan of his kind of, you know, you talk about a lot of players in college and you're saying, ah, if they just cared more about running their routes or they tried a little bit, he's the opposite. He's the dude that you need to rein in. Like he trips over himself sometimes because he's running so hard. He needs to be reined in and stop giving 100% all the time and learn how to find spaces instead of just going balls out every single play. But that Carolina situation is another where we're probably talking about him for 2022. Uh, Jordan, we've been asking the Texans to come out with a tight end forever. But again, rookie tight end, who knows if Watson's the quarterback or if when. So I say really none of these guys until 2022, even McKitty. McKitty could be the replacement for the Chargers. But again, Parham's probably got a little bit left in this year so. Yeah, all the rest are 2022. Parham and our main man, Jared Cook, with the Chargers now. Yeah, no, good. I was avoiding his name on purpose. Yeah, not, <laughs> not, not a great situation to be in. So, yeah, tight ends, rather, like, of the non-Pitts tight ends in a dynasty draft, first three rounds, do you see any of them going? Mm, you see Fryermuth slip into, I just did one over this past weekend, and he was late second. That was a tight end needy team, so mostly... You'll see Fryermuth, Tremble, and maybe Jordan, maybe McKitty slip into the late third, fourth round, but probably just those big three. Well, not big three, but Frymuth and Tremble, and then maybe Jordan, but that that's kind of it. More round three. Let's switch over to the running backs. I mentioned Najee Harris off the top. He goes to the yep. Pittsburgh Steelers. They have a vacancy, I heard, at running back. So for season-long purposes half point PPR you put him up there we know that the offensive line woes in Pittsburgh have not been good maybe it's contributed a lot to the running backs not being exceptionally good fantasy performers can Harris overcome the offensive line does he have the full role and where are we looking at him in redraft leagues like is he a fringy first round pick is he a late second round pick like how excited are people for Najee Harris uh, so let me start at the top and say, yes, yes, I have 
and excited, depending. So now I'll answer the questions in full so people know what I'm saying. Uh, yes, he is that talented. Yes, he will be the every down running back. This is something that we've talked about before. We know the Steelers want to do this. We know Tomlin wants to do this. You will call it name dropping or whatever it is. I've talked to him in person because he's from Hampton Roads, who has continuously said that time and again, back when James Conner was the guy. He wants his guy. He wants somebody out there getting 20 touches. Najee Harris can do that and more. He's a great receiver. He's better than Josh Jacobs before him. The offensive line woes are overrated. They matter if you're trying to break a tie. Like if you're saying, I don't know whether I want to go Chris Carson or Miles Gaskin, because they're kind of like high-end RB2s, mid-RB2s, and one offensive line is top five and one's bottom five. Okay, you broke your tie. In situations like this, there are numerous running backs who have finished as RB1s, top 10 running backs, with bottom five run blocking teams. There are plenty of running backs who haven't even finished inside the top 20 on top five run blocking teams. It's a factor, but volume is king at running back. And volume is king when you're talking about a talent like Najee Harris. I've taken him on the one-two turn. I have him as a locked-in RB1. The only reason he's not where I had Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley as top five running backs as rookies is because of the offensive line and because the names in front of him are established, are great, and on good teams. He's on a great situation. If he finished top five, I wouldn't be shocked, but he doesn't need to be there. And the good news to your final question is where do people see him? There's so much divisiveness out there about the offensive line and so much concern about it that right now he's still going in the middle of the second round. I've actually seen him fall to the end of the second round. So get him while you can because he's going to be an RB1. How much do you think people are scared off or at least hesitant to rank him highly based on what happened to Clyde Edwards-Zolaire last year? There, there might be some, but people looking at that are looking at the wrong thing. Again, it's situational. Clyde Edwards-Zolaire, you know this. I was on Clyde Edwards-Zolaire, and then I was one of the first people to pull back off of him once that started falling into the middle of the first round because you have to take everything into context. Clyde Edwards-Zolaire was on a great situation, on a great team. I loved it. I was taking him in the second round. And then you saw what they did and the way that they were treating him and say, all right, second round, that turn, that first round turn is probably where he still needs to be. And to be honest, if you looked at it before they brought in Le'Veon Bell, he was returning about RB 14, 15 value, which was fair. This is a different situation though. This is at even the best case this year. Daryl Williams is still going to be a factor. Edwards Alaire is James Charles before him with Jamal Charles before him without Jamal Charles upside quite yet. He might still have it, but it's at that 15 to 17 touch range is Alvin Kamara. You know, there's not a lot of games where Alvin Kamara is busting 20 plus touches every single week. And that's where he has to break through. And that's where the upside comes. The downside is the touches. The con the converse side to that, as I go back to the volume is king and that Najee Harris will probably touch the ball 20 times. He is walking into 300 carries. So, you know, well, well, okay. if, he, that's... if he walks into 300 carries, then I think it really we need to do a deeper dive on what sort of receiving role is he going to have? Is he going to have the Bell receiving role or is he going to have the Connor receiving role, which is fine if you're going to get 250 plus carries and the goal line work because you're just kind of backdooring your way into five targets a game just through osmosis of being on the field. And I would fully, I, I wouldn't downgrade him at all for that. You just kind of project that out and you're looking at like, 35 to 45 catches. That's fine. Um, if you're going to get you go. that many Jonathan carries. Taylor. Yeah, they, basically the Jonathan Taylor effect when it comes down to it. But if he doesn't, what really separates him from someone like Josh Jacobs? Well, so a couple things is Josh Jacobs is actually not 
too far from him receiving wise for that conversation. You know, we're talking about 25 to 35 at best. And we're talking 30 to 40 for Najee Harris. Uh, so the bigger difference is the guaranteed work. Uh, you see that time and again with Josh Jacobs in the fact that, you know, we don't understand it. We can pound the table all day long saying, why don't the Raiders give him more opportunities? But they just won't. And he's great on a per-touch basis. We've seen it. We've seen the upside when they do give him 25 touches and then he can finish as a top five running back any given week. But the Kenyon Drake signing is concerning whether they're going to give him some of the carries, whether they're going to treat him as the pass catcher like he was a few years ago before this change to Arizona, whatever it might be. Everything the Raiders keep telling us is that Josh Jacobs is just not going to be a bell cow. And then if you look at the two offenses, yes, Pittsburgh passes all crap ton, but that's going to change a little bit this year. They're going to go back to the run and you give me 20 touches a week with Najee Harris, who, again, I just said it before the very first thing I said about him, he's better than Josh Jacobs. So you give me the better running back on the better team. Offensive line concerns are the same for the Raiders. They just jettisoned a lot of people and are turning to youth. Maybe that's an upgrade and that's why they're doing it and they believe in it, but you know, Steelers believe in their offensive line. The Giants didn't address theirs and the Giants believe in theirs. You know, I'm not going to say there's not questions for all these teams, but if these teams tell us that they're confident in what they can roll out there, you know, all we're asking the Raiders and the Giants and the Steelers, all we're asking them to do is to be a middle of the road run blocking team. And then these talents will take over. I'm just trying to figure out the tier where he goes in, because obviously he's going to be the number one of the rookie running backs in terms of redraft for 2021 only. At least unless, you know, your boy Etienne is going to play wide receiver with running back eligibility, and all of a sudden he's Ty Montgomery. (laughs) No, we'll we'll get to him. So you're talking about redraft tier only? Yeah. So I have him. I'll just give you my rundown. So obviously you have your big four or five, depending on how you want to do it. McCaffrey, Cook, Barkley, Henry, Kamara, all in that group. Although, you know, we could have a conversation about Kamara on a completely different show. Then you get into like the Taylors, Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubbs, Cam Akers. And boom, that's where, where I stop. No, like, I I, no, no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I would throw Eckler into that category too, in half point, just based off his receiving. He's in the next group for me. He's in the group. Well, you're wrong, Harris. Jake. He should be in the top group. <laughs> so my next group actually stops at Eckler. It's it's five. It's Harris, Dobbins, Mixon, Gibson, and Eckler. That I put in that, not in that specific order, but that would be the five in my next group. See, I don't know if I have the confidence in Harris. I think he's more of the Miles Sanders, Dobbins, no. Swift, like that kind of guy. I, I, maybe it's to be seen with Miles Sanders, but if Jalen Hurts is going to be the starting quarterback, I just see so many opportunities for running lanes for him in that offense. And he can be everything that we thought that he was going to be last year. No, because the problem is, is everything that the Eagles have told us this offseason is they don't trust him as a pass catcher anymore. Every sign is pointed to that's not going to change from what we just saw from last year. And that's, that's my concern is that Miles Sanders is turning more into what Kenyon Drake just was with the Cardinals and what Josh Jacobs is now is they just don't want to use him that way. And part of it was his own play last year. He had his own faults in the passing game. And we can, you know, I've been one of the people that have said, I'll go get myself a bunch of Jalen Rager. I'll go get a ton of Jalen Hurts, who I have as a QB1. I am buying back into the Eagles, especially Devontae Smith. And if you look again, what this team has done, the Eagles have pointed to everything of saying, for everybody crapping on Jalen Hurts' passing ability, I know we're not talking about him because of rookies, but the offense was an offense made for Carson Wentz. He stepped in at the end of the season. What happened with Lamar Jackson when they changed the offense to be for Lamar Jackson? It's the same thing the Eagles are doing this offseason. Everything's to be built the offense around Jalen Hurts. 
more short yards, more intermediate games. You got a big play threat that can open over the top, which is deep ball. But, you know, again, I know that's not his prime skill set, but I say all that to say the compounding issue is everything they've done in the backfield also points to let's get him some receiving options that aren't Miles Sanders. Maybe. I'm curious to see how that ends up rolling out. And I know that Harris is going to go ahead of Sanders in drafts. At least that's my initial impression from what I've seen so far that I think I would just kind of pass. I just don't know if I'm as high as Harris as I guess you are right now. And maybe I'll be talked into it by the time it comes along. But there's even more guys like what is everyone just out on David Montgomery? Like just that that was a one year flash. No, thank you. Well, a couple of things with David Montgomery is walk through the easiest five game slate of defenses you ever run defenses specifically no Tariq Cohn who's back and you know a, a, another situation where you're changing the quarterback whether <laughs> Andy Dalton starts one game or four games or zero games Justin Fields is coming at some point there's just a lot of questions like David Montgomery getting 20 touches a week again and David Montgomery again volume is king I was on David Montgomery being excited like hey the volume is coming because there is no Tariq Cohen and the schedule is on top of it you and I talked about that for weeks on end heading into that of getting David Montgomery but volume is king. It doesn't mean that David Montgomery was a better running back. He was just in a much better situation. David Montgomery is still the same David Montgomery. When it comes down to Najee Harris, it's, it, it, I brought up Jonathan Taylor. If you knew Jonathan Taylor was in this draft and was Jonathan Taylor, of course the question is out there. He has to show it at the NFL. But we go into this every single year. We've been doing this for, you and I have been doing this, but just people in general have been doing this for decades. And you always get the pushback, never played it down in the NFL. No running back, no rookie, no whatever has ever played it down in the NFL. Ezekiel Elliott finished top five. Saquon Barkley finished top five. These running backs finish where they are because they're that damn talented. Jonathan Taylor, with not starting a full season, finished inside the top 10. Najee Harris is on the Jonathan Taylor level of talent in a good situation despite the offensive line. I have him as RB1. I'll keep him as RB1. I'll keep taking him as RB1. And to be honest, I know you said that you might not want to, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but if you don't take them around the f turn of the first round, by the time we get the draft season, you're not getting them. So that's just the decision you're going to have to make. Is, yeah, I, you don't you know take I, them, I, I am pre-making my decision that I'm not going to do that. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, we'll get to the dynasty think. part of this. I'll list it in the time <laughs> codes and everything as it pertains to these running backs. But I want to keep rolling on the redraft right now so etienne is lining up at wide receiver in minicamp i don't know what that means or how that affects anything <laughs> you're gonna going call him that all year long that, that i mean i talked to emory hunt he uh, he confirmed with me that is how you pronounce his name he himself said his name is etienne he is trying to make it easier for you simple americans to try to pronounce a name en français now it's no because there shouldn't be it, it, it shouldn't be a third syllable there shouldn't be, it should just be Etienne if you're actually doing it right. So he's not even pronouncing it the right way either. Yeah, Travis Etienne. So Travis Steven, we can just call him that if we want to. <laughs> it's just like Americans who say foyer instead of foyer. And it's really, I know it's, like, it's like nails actually, on a fucking chalkboard. <laughs> I was going to say, I actually say foyer if it makes you feel any better. But you I, should, I that because that's what it is. What was the other one? Paul was telling me there was some guy's name. Uh, there was some USC, UFC fighter. His name was like Benoit. It's like, no, his name is Benoit. Come on now. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Benoit. Oh, Chris Benoit, the WWE wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> we might have to cut that name out. No speaking of uh, of that man's name ever, ever oh, again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, Travis Etienne <laughs> from the Bayou. Yes. Where they parlent français en Louisiana. Um, 
for redraft purposes, how do he and James Robinson actually shake out in redraft leagues? Like, are we still buying James Robinson? Like, do we get him at a discount and he's going to be good? Or is this just completely smoke and mirrors and Etienne is going to be the guy who's actually the running back that you want this year? I, I do want, I'm going to keep calling him Etienne until he changes his mind. <laughs> but you, we'll call him Travis on the show for that. But that would just stick with, we can get his first name right. Uh, I am taking Travis. I keep, this is the immediate comparison I made during the draft. And a lot of people have made it. So I'm not the only one because it's the easy one to make. But I'm going to go deeper than just saying it's Kamara and Latavius Murray because he's not Kamara, but James Robinson's also not Latavius Murray. He's better. So, what I keep saying is, Etienne, I, Etienne said, uh, you should expect a Clyde Edwards Alaire like season. And I think that's what you're looking for here. You're looking for six to 700 rushing yards, probably, I'd say, at least 50 receptions, if not more. And the lining up at wide receiver for all these people, like, oh, what the hell is Urban Meyer doing? For I don't know if you saw when I tweeted, but it's like this was the people that were like, we need David Johnson to run more routes. We need Le'Veon Bell to run more routes. We need they're doing exactly what we want. More manufactured touches for a talent. How is this a bad thing? So ETN, mid-low RB2, maybe some upside for more. And if you go back to James Robinson, he's not dead. He's not dead and buried. Is he what he was last year? Everybody who had him in keeper leagues and dynasty are super excited and now super disappointed. That's understandable. But he's not completely going away. Where Latavius Murray is more of, oh my God, could you imagine if he has the job to himself? And we've seen it before, but it's very hard to play him on any specific week. This is where you can say James Robinson. I could roll out there as an RB3 most weeks because he's still probably going to get... You know what this is probably? It's, it's like if you reverse the roles for Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, as if Kareem Hunt was the lead and Nick Chubb was the backup. Okay, that, I like that comparison, but what do we think that's going to happen in this Jacksonville offense, I guess, is the same thing, too. Are they going to be bad enough that there's enough touches to go around? Because in that circumstance, I know they were able to do it with James Robinson last year, despite not being good and kept feeding the ball anyway, that I would think in the passing game that there could be substantial upside here if this is actually how they're going to use them. Yeah, I think there is too. Um, so that's really what I keep going back to is that mid to low RB2 with upside that I could see him knocking on the door, not quite into the RB1 level, but because of those receptions, it's just going to be a little bit more inconsistent than a Camara. But it's definitely that upside where you could say, you know what, I'm happy at the end of the year because I drafted him in the third, fourth round and he finished as a second round value because the passing game with Trevor Lawrence is going to be great. Like if Trevor Lawrence bombs in the NFL, just cancel the NFL. Like just stop. He's that good. There's another one that that is not hyperbole. You know how much I hate and I say that every single year generational talent, but I made two guys tier zero to make that point. I normally do tiers and I do tier one, I start like a normal person. But Trevor Lawrence and Kyle Pitts, I did tier zeros to point that out of that we don't see these kind of prospects very often. It's very rare. So Trevor Lawrence coming to this offense with those two in the backfield, when you have DJ Chark, you add your boy Marv, you still have LaVisca Chenault, you still have Colin Johnson, who was going to break out potentially this year before they added Marvin Jones. There's a lot to go around here. We don't really think there's going to be much of a factor at tight end, whether it's Tim Tebow or anybody else. They've actually even talked about Colin Johnson playing some tight end. But the point here is that this could be an offense that can support two wide receivers, two running backs, and maybe even a third wide receiver when you're talking about Trevor Lawrence because the defense has improved, but it's still not going to be one that slows down the game so much, especially with the speed of Urban Meyer offense where we're worried about it being 
they only ran 47 offensive plays or something like that. Javante Williams landed in Denver. That seems like a really good spot for him, although MG3 is still there, who I can't believe is still in the NFL at this point, but they'll <laughs> give him carries for whatever reason. How does he fit into this mix in terms of redraft? Is he closer to a guy that you need to go out and actively draft and be like, oh, Melvin Gordon's going to be washed, and then all of a sudden Williams is going to have this job, and it's going to be glorious? Or is he in the backpack with... I don't know, uh, Michael Carter and Trey Sermon of guys that you might draft on speculation, but might just not do anything. So I have them all in the very, they're all in the thirties for me. All those, all those three names, uh, because they're in the mix with like the Zach Mosses and, you know, a oh, Drake or a hot, I, I have a hot take. Don't draft any bills running back easy. <laughs> if I'm going to take a flyer, it's going to be on Zach Moss. Uh, you, you know, I poo pooed the excitement for him for last year, but now this is the this is going to one of my articles that I do every single year. Is like last year's trash. Is everybody hates that backfield now? I'm not saying get excited about a Bills running back, but if you give him as my RB four now, yeah, sure, why not? Or if I go wide receiver heavy as my RB three, but the Javante Williams thing is go back to Miles Sanders. This is somebody that you can see taking over by the middle of the season. He's not going to be the day one starter. He's going to get some touches. But his talent is great enough that even if Melvin Gordon doesn't get hurt, that he could push him aside and become the lead. But it wouldn't be a complete push aside either where Melvin Gordon, unless he did get hurt, is still going to get some touches. So I'll say this twofold. You have to know your league because at this point, we can all sit here and say, let somebody else draft the Miles Sanders. Let somebody else draft Javante Williams and then go buy low. But then you have the people out there who spend the seventh round pick on Williams know the upside and don't ever want to trade them because they're like, ooh, that job could come. So it's going to be your decision in knowing your league. Do you let somebody else take them then try to go buy low? Or are you in the type of league that if you want them and you're hoping that's what happens in the second half of the season, you're just going to have to stash them on your bench for at least six, seven weeks. How about Carter and Sermon then? What What's the... Carter... I, I, I see what the upside is for these guys. What's like a realistic scenario for them do they take over mid-season do they ever take over does Sermon just get thrown into the the carousel that is the San Francisco <laughs> running back tree so uh Carter I think could be swift I think that's what we could expect for this year um especially because he's the most talented running back already in that backfield uh you know very similar opportunities as a rookie as you would expect questionable offense at times obviously and we don't know what Zach Wilson's going to do and the changes that this team made but there is potential with him I thought Carter was on the same level as Williams is a completely different running back style but underrated because of how good Williams was so I think that Carter is one that I've been getting in a lot of drafts early sermon I it's funny as you get people I've seen already on Twitter it's like fantasy is either you love them or hate them there's doesn't seem to be a middle ground he right now like Carter he is the most talented running back in that backfield but it is the San Francisco 49ers Mostert is the guy for now there's some rumors out there that Mostert might be a post-June cut but if he's on the team it's going to be Mostert the, the what we know about Kyle Shanahan is what I say about he's the Midas touch he could turn me into a capable running back maybe averaging like a half yard per carry but he just does it with every running back. He made Jeff Wilson a thing. Jeff Wilson is not a real thing. He made Jeff Wilson a thing. So you look at this backfield. He can make Elijah Mitchell, the other one that they took. He can make him the thing because he's that good at what he does with running backs. But Trey Sermon, if he's even 15 touches a week as the lead, it's the 49ers. You're talking about an RB2. But you're going to get probably your shares of him or not depending on your draft somebody's going to love them because they're going to see that and see that what i'm talking about for the positives and then you're going to be people that hate them because who the hell knows who shanahan's going to go with i'll say now if you're drafting and you can get them at a reasonable price 
draft him now because if Mostert does get cut, his price is going to rocket. Any other running backs that you think deserve a discussion of, not necessarily like draftable, but all the other running backs that it seems like that are left as rookies right now that would be drafted in season long are all plus like end of round guys, like 12th round, 14th yeah. round, that kind of thing. I We don't need to dig into them right now. Uh, I think it's better to talk about the dynasty implications of these guys. So when we're thinking about this from a dynasty perspective, how do the rankings change at running back? For everybody we've talked about, or just in general? Just in general, for running backs overall. Like, are there some running backs that we didn't talk about? You're like, oh, well, if you're in yeah. Dynasty, bit of a different story then. Mm -hmm. I would say, well, even in redraft, uh, Ramondre Stevenson for the Patriots, they just got their new Garrett Blunt. If you're still playing non-PBR like an old person, <laughs> it, he might be somebody to consider, especially with Damian Harris's injuries. And I know you said late round, but he's somebody too that I still, I have him in my top 10 of Dynasty. The more interesting ones that I think the two that are kind of getting overlooked is everybody wants this year's James Robinson. So first of all, there's not going to be a this year's James Robinson. James Robinson is the anomaly. James Robinson is one out of 25, if that. But JVN Hawkins is somebody I liked a lot pre-draft. I was surprised he wasn't drafted, especially in today's NFL, where they have a Cohen and a Naeem Hines. Naeem Hines is a great one. Javion Hawkins is stepping in a situation where he can make the opening day roster. You look at that backfield with Mike Davis and essentially nothing else, the Quadri Olsen, but you want somebody who could have Naheem Hines value. Again, we're not talking about top 15 running back, but Hawkins for a redraft and especially in dynasty too, he's in the mention. And then the Bengals let Giovanni Bernard go. He's not back. They haven't brought him back and they drafted Chris Evans. Anybody behind somebody who has an injury history or who could walk into a share. And I know there's P Ryan and all that. P Ryan's kind of a guy, you know, that, that worked out for them. I don't see it happen again. I think Chris Evans should be one that, you know, again, redraft late round, obviously, but in dynasty, I've been taking him in the mid late third round just to say, you know what? He's arguably, I'd say definitively, arguably the better talent than P Ryan. And if something happens to Joe Mixon again, he, he could be the lead. Would the rankings at the top change at all, Dynasty versus Redraft? Like, would you go Etienne over Harris? Uh, no. Okay. No. Just Harris is, Harris is by far the, the number one. Uh, the only one that changes for me is I have in Redraft, I have Carter over Sermon. If I'm chasing pure upside, I mean, in Dynasty, you could still say it deserves to be Carter over Sermon. But if you're going pure upside, I mean, think about if Sermon's the guy, forget about this year. Let's just say Carter's the guy this year, getting 15 to 70 touches and Sermon barely sees the field. But 2022, it's all of a sudden, it's Sermon's backfield. You're going to be having an RB1 in your hand. So in Dynasty, I would go I would go for the upside in Dynasty of Sermon. I got to ask you, have you got Magic Spoon yet? If not, give your head a shake pal you need to get some magic spoon in your life not only because it is delicious but it has zero grams of sugar 13 to 14 grams of protein and only four net grams of carbs in each serving only 140 calories per serving you need a snack midday you need some breakfast you need something to eat late at night magic spoon is there for you and it's keto friendly gluten free grain free soy free low carb and gmo free and i've got exciting news for you friends Magic Spoon has released a super delicious new flavor, birthday cake. Birthday cake Magic Spoon will be available in a special five pack for a limited time only. So get it while you can. 
or just build your own box. I think that you should always get the fruity one, but there's a bunch of different ones. I just, whenever I get Magic Spoon now, it's just always fruity because I love it so much. But available flavors for you to build in your very own custom bundle are Coca, fruity, the good one, the best one. I don't want to say the good one because that makes the other one sound bad. No, fruity is the best one, at least according to Pat Mayo. But you have frosted, peanut butter, and cinnamon as well. And if you're listening in Canada, Magic Spoon now ships there as well. So go to magicspoon.com slash mayo to grab the new limited edition birthday cake or custom bundle of cereal to try today. And be sure to use our promo code mayo at checkout to save $5 off your order. This offer is good to anyone in the US or Canada, but only when you use code mayo at checkout. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash mayo and use the code mayo to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Jamar Chase seems pretty clear like he is the number one redraft wide receiver off the board amongst the rookies, probably the top wide receiver dynasty rookie wide receiver off the board as well. So how big is the chasm between him and the rest of the wide receivers that were drafted this year? I would say almost a tier, even though the talent wise and pre-draft, I put all three on the tier. Devontae Smith, uh, Waddle and Chase are all tier one for me. If you, you know, you and I talked last year, if you want to talk about what I did with my running backs last year, because running back was so deep last year, I had tier one and then I had tier 1.5 for Akers and Edwards Allaire, because they were just so good, but not quite that top tier, but they're better than everybody else. So I say that to say, like, if you wanted to kind of do that here too, Chase is tier one, and then you could say Waddle and Smith are kind of like 1.5. So he's on his own level maybe go back to the tight end comparison you were saying for before it's kind of almost like chase's kittle and kelsey and waddle and smith are like andrews and waller or no they're they're waller forget andrews they're waller they're 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 there but they're just not quite there all right let me throw out some names for redraft then jamar chase or t higgins jamar chase how confident do you feel in that at a scale of one to ten yeah 6.5 6.5 only because Higgins is established it goes back to talent and Chase definitively is the better talent Chase is going back with his quarterback so we already have a re- we've the rapport situation is taken care of you know there's obviously questions with any rookie so um if I had to rank the Bengals wide receivers it's Chase Higgins Boyd if you told me it finished Boyd Higgins Chase if you told like I think they're going to be very similar to the Carolina Panthers last year, where all three of them finished inside the top 25. Well, that's really interesting then. Does that make Jamar Chase the top rookie wide receiver in redraft then? If we're not talking dynasty, just redraft, you try to find someone who has potential to be not only the number one, but number one, like, let's say Chase is the number one with the Bengals. It does seem like the other two are going to come along for a high percentage of the target share, a high percentage of the receptions, a high percentage of the yardage, just along the way, like separating from those two. And I mean, it's possible, but it just doesn't seem very likely where that could potentially happen with, I don't know, Devonta Smith seems like he has a pretty good, if he's the number one, he could run away with being the number one, just be a better fantasy player for this year. And that's where I think their numbers could be pretty similar. Uh, Smith, fewer fewer receptions but similar yardage and touchdowns with chase having you know obviously the the yards per reception but i think their numbers could be similar and where i'll say in redraft is it's not that i would ever take smith over chase 
it's I would take the rounds plural discount. I would take rounds discount because Chase already seeing it. Chase is going as a top 25 wide receiver. Are you already. serious? He's a top it, 25 receiver. So you're telling me that people are drafting Jamar Chase over like Cooper Cup? I was in a draft the other day of Cooper Cup. I was in a draft the other day where he was sandwiched between Mike Evans and I'm trying to think. Was it Robert Woods or is it somewhere around there? So that was almost that was top 20. Brad Evans had the same. We were just talking to him earlier today. Same thing happened to him. He was in another draft where it happened. He's going inside the top 25 in a lot of drafts because it's the excitement of Chase. The Vegas line right now is 1,099 yards and 1,099.5, and his touchdown is 7.5. That seems like a nice under on the touchdowns, just factoring in injury into that. Yeah, well, you know, that that's the smart thing to always do is you factor in injury and you take a lot of unders. There's some easy overs out there already. Like I'm going to smash uh, Harris is at like 909 and 949 on some sites. I'm going to smash that everywhere. But yeah, that that seems like a nice under on the touchdowns. But that's, that's the excitement for Chase. It's, Chase is another. He's He would have been top receiver last year he had been top receiver a lot of years he's that good and now you have him back with burrow and now you have him in an ascending offense that looks good and looks explosive but again we factor all this in the t higgins tyler boyd and this team in general and i'm with you i'm going to take the multi-round discount for Devonte smith who is walking into 100 plus targets he is going to get 100 plus start it's going to be him and rager with goddard maybe Ertz, and then it's still Fulgham and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and Greg Ward and all these other random dudes out there. I think I would still take, like, Brandon Cooks, regardless of who the quarterback is, just knowing he's the only guy in Houston. Mm, yeah, I think it depends on the quarterback. It, was, think, it was Davis Mills on day one. <laughs> I think even so. I mean, that's a target share of, like, 50% for him. Uh, well, they also drafted Nico Collins, who is, like, Will Fuller's replacement. Uh, he's a rookie. He's Will Fuller light. But it, they're going to have other. Do you, do you call him people. Will Fuller Light because you know his body muscle percentage by not being on steroids is lower? <laughs> that's, that, that's yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> uh, so who are like the so if we put Smith and we put Chase up at the top in terms of redraft wide receivers, how close is? Just trying to think of guys from last year like Gallup and C.D. Lamb. Like, is there a huge distinction between those guys? Everyone on C.D. Lamb a year or two, and everyone's off of Michael Gallup now. Uh, yeah, everybody is a super on CD lamb. He's a, he's the, I just brought him up on our podcast today for that point is that we talk about this off season hype and steam and you start getting this, uh, you know, this talk on Twitter and now you get this consensus and all this group think and all this. And I wrote about CD lamb. I said, look at the first five games, look what CD lamb is as a pure talent in and of himself and all this types. And all of a sudden now CD lamb's pushing inside the top 15 and it's guaranteed to happen and stuff like that. I have CD Lamb kind of in this group with my boy, you know, that Deontay Johnson, DJ Chark, a healthy Odell Beckham, you know, Higgins and Chase and Debo and Sutton if he's healthy, which is a big question mark, but I'd, I'd put them on the tier above Sutton, but he's kind of in that group. So I think redraft, that's where you start thinking about it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Again, you know how much people love rookies and it's funny we do this year to year. Nobody really wanted to go that heavy on rookie wide receivers last year because of what happened. And then Justin Jefferson happens, and now everybody's saying back on it. They're going to find the one. Chase is going to be Jamar, Justin Jefferson this year. So 
I think that's where you're going to see Chase is going to get outpriced very quickly if he hasn't already. Well, I think you just have to look at some of these situations and what's the path of least resistance to getting 130 targets in an offense. And I think that's where you're going to, unless the talent just completely wins out, which it could. And these guys are obviously all very talented. Chase and Smith, especially, even Waddle up there as well. But I just look at him and, you know, Will Fuller's there, Devontae Parker's there, two is the quarterback. Like, I don't know, like what's realistic for him? Just year one. I think that Waddle, the good thing with him is another, it's a quarterback reunion. We had all these quarterback reunions for these wide receivers in this draft, which was a lot of fun. You have Smith, Chase, and Waddle going back to their quarterbacks. Uh, but the Waddle comparisons to Tyreek Hill, this is, somebody asked me this after I did my rap. They're like, why is it always the next Tyreek Hill? And I'm not saying this to be like, haha, look at me. But I was like, this is actually the first time I've ever said that because it's too easy. People love to, this is why I hate comps. And I tell you that yearly is I hate doing comps because people get thinking that this is going to be that guy. Like if you compare him to Tyreek Hill, it's automatically, oh, he's Tyreek Hill. His skill set is Tyreek Hill. He's not Tyreek Hill yet. And you're hoping he can be Tyreek Hill. But guess what? Even if he is, he's playing with Tua versus Mahomes. Uh, Tua, the, the, the rapport with him should help and what he'll be in that offense. But as of day one, he's the third wide receiver. Can he step past Devontae Parker with how Devontae Parker looked at times last year? Absolutely. Is he probably a better fit for Tua and what they're doing to build this offense around Tua? Absolutely. Uh, but whether or not that happens immediately, I have Waddle down in the 40s with like a, with Devontae Parker and Antonio Brown and Jalen Rager and Michael Gallup and Marvin Jones. And stuff. Like that's the group he should be in. Bateman, Moore, Moore, Marshall, Tony, who else do we got on here that we can kind of bring up? Brown and Washington. Murray yeah, Murray Rogers and Green Bay. I think the one that I'm the most attracted to fantasy-wise, and I don't know what the upside is on this. Maybe you can completely talk me out of this. But I'm on Raw St. Brown with no one in that's, Detroit. That's what everybody keeps bringing up. And he's the slot option. And what do we know about Jared Goff with his connection early on with Cooper Cup? And, you know, that fits well. The St. Brown situation still is, he's good. He's nice. I think I said to see a couple times bringing up like Randall Cobb, and this works well for this, is that, you know, some receivers do what they do well and can't ask to do more. And that's fine for what they can do well. St. Brown can do what he do does well. And it's very much like Randall Cobb. Good, good slot option. Don't be the number one. And I, that's why, why I say don't be the number one is because he's not. It should be Brashard Perriman. It should be, if not Brashard Perriman, Tyrell Williams before him. But we both know those health situations. We both know they might not even be what we've seen before at this point. I say all that to say, if St. Brown does end up becoming the number one focus, he's not Juju Smith-Schuster. He's not Antonio Brown. He's not Tyreek Hill. He's not at that level where if defenses start treating him like a number one wide receiver, that he's going to be able to overcome it. He needs somebody out there with him. So my concern with St. Brown is not the opportunity because the opportunity is great. Walk into a great situation. The opportunity concern is if Tyra Williams is hurt, if Brashard Perriman is toast and just never what we saw at the end of the season with Jameis Winston, you know, if that happens, then St. Brown is just not going to be. It's Travis Fogel from last year. It was the fastest to say, go get him. Then I was the quickest to say, get the hell off of him as soon as defenses treat him as the number one. Like there's some receivers that just can't overcome that kind. But St. Brown's in a great situation. Rodgers, if well, Rodgers well, well, is well, back. I, I guess the question is, where is St. Brown going in drafts? Like, is he? are people actually drafting him highly or is he like a 14th round pick? Yes. They're, well, no. People are drafting him more around the 9th, 10th to some I've seen because of the opportunity. Because think people are in that he's walking into 100 targets because that offense needs him. He could be walking into 100 targets. 
He could be, absolutely. But it's also one of the quality of targets and the quality of his being able to be open on those targets. I'm not saying it can't happen. I'll just, you you brought up the other more. I'll take Elijah Moore 10 times out of 10, a thousand times, because Jamison Crowder, unless it's the shock of all shocks, is off this team post-June cut. He, they're saving like 10 or $11 million or something like that. And he's stepping into Jamison Crowder's role. So you give Elijah Moore with Denzel Mims in the second season with Zach Wilson now being under quarterback. I'll take Elijah Moore and his situation versus St. Brown and his because they're very similar situations, similar skill sets, but I'm going to take more over St. Brown. Talent-wise alone also. Uh, I mean, talent-wise, you might be onto something. I mean, I don't like Goff, but I mean, do, do, do most NFL defenses have defensive players populated with like D2 players? Because if not, is Zach Wilson going to be any good? Zach Wilson has certain questions. I, I kept saying that Zach Wilson reminds me a bit of Daniel Jones which can be good and bad. Uh, you can see the opportunity upside for Daniel Jones, but we've also seen the bad, including some of the turnovers. So sure, there's an absolutely concerning floor with Zach Wilson. He can ruin the entire offense as a rookie. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Jared, I honestly don't see necessarily that big a difference in numbers between Jared Goff and put it this way. If I'm going to draft and that's why not we're talking about, but if I'm going to draft and I'm drafting my second quarterback, who's just, I'm going to chase upside. I'm going to chase Zach Wilson, not Jack, not Jared Goff. I mean, that's a completely fair point. Uh, if you're going to chase the upside, I, I kind of fall behind that. Of the other guys that I mentioned, are there any that stick out to you as redraft guys or like even someone like Bateman? We can see where the upside can come in, but that offense just doesn't really feel like it's tailored to wide receivers all that well in terms of smashing where you're going to go in drafts. No, and you know, a lot of the talk has been Roman and, you know, they're going to pass more. And well, okay. Even if they do pass more, we're still talking about an offense that doesn't even pass 500 times in a season. So, yes, it can definitely get better, but you still have Marquise Brown. I think Bateman does a little bit more to uh, to hurt Mark Andrews, to go back to our previous conversation, than enough of his own where I want to trust him every single week. I actually have Bateman even behind Terrace Marshall going to Carolina. I was Carolina yeah, Without Samuel around and no like legit tight end that's a focal part of that offense, we saw it last year that you had the three wide receivers all do pretty well, but how much of one of their numbers, let's just say Curtis Samuel, because he is no longer there now, was just propped up by McCaffrey not being around. Right, right. And that's, I was going to bring that into the conversation too. You do have to worry about 90 plus targets easily going to Christian McCaffrey. Uh, but you also look at this team and, you know, hopefully they, they, they want to be the magic bullet for fixing Sam Darnold, which if it happens, just put Joe Brady in the Hall of Fame immediately. Skip past Matt Rule, just put Joe Brady in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but Terrace Marshall, the one thing, I'm going to go back to the thing that I brought up about Tremble. Terrace Marshall's a terrific talent. Terrific. The problem is, similar to another name that I've brought up to you for years, because he's the perfect example of it, is Marquise Lee. Marquise Lee came out of USC and came out of college. So much more talented than most of the people he's playing against that he was lazy with his routes. He let people get on top of him. He didn't run them crisp. Kind of rounded things off. If you watch Terrace Marshall last year, he's covered a lot. But it didn't matter because he's that damn good. If he doesn't clean it up immediately, he's going to struggle as a rookie. But he's so talented that if he just, if Rule and Brady get to him, then he could he could pass Robbie Anderson and be the number two as a rookie. He's that talented. It's a big step to take. But if he's the number two, you know, again, all three finished top 25. So let's say Christian McCaffrey back, all three finished top 40. Uh, I'd still go Terrence Marshall for the upside over Bateman, but I could see the argument for, I, I, I basically we're getting down to is they should be in the same conversation despite 
one looking to be in a worse situation dynasty wise if we're talking about wide receivers obviously chase is going to be number one in that who would be the number two receiver uh i would lean waddle slightly over smith okay then you would go smith Smith is going to be deshaun jackson all right then who goes like four five six and seven like do you feel good about that order or is it like a tier of five guys and you know pick whatever one you like the best it's a tier well a tier of one then a tier of two i would go chase and then waddle smith and then for me it's the next five more marshall bateman more the other more and then Kadarius tony because he's buried right now he's come so buried right now sterling shepherd i would put money against him not being on the team next year the giants have 107 million dollars invested in six players not including solder and not including sterling shepherd who's due to make double digits next year even if he's healthy i just can't see the giants bringing him back the tony feels like a pick to replace shepherd next year so i would go tony and then right behind him is the saint brown diami brown amari rogers that's probably about it everybody and nico collins everybody else starts to get real this was a bad draft for rookies being buried on teams this year quarterbacks in redraft leagues we're talking about one quarterback leagues here so (laughs) a lot of these guys run which is really nice but yeah do you see any of them as a qb1 Yes. Trevor Lawrence, no question about it. He runs enough, and we just saw what Justin Herbert did. He's a better quarterback than Justin Herbert. And, you know, you're talking about whatever you want of saying, you know, Justin Herbert surprised people, including myself. I was down on Justin Herbert. I immediately was wrong on Justin Herbert after watching him basically plateau for three years in college. But Trevor Lawrence should be able to put up Herbert's numbers easily, if not potentially better, with the rushing upside. Um, obviously if he doesn't get the rushing touchdowns that can knock you down five spots in and of themselves, but I have Lawrence just inside the QB one territory and assuming my opinion that fields is under center. Yeah. Well, let's, two, let's just, pre- if not, let's, let's just pretend all these guys are starting. Let's just do that to make it easy on ourselves. Oh, fields <laughs> fields is a QB one too. Okay. His rushing upside is, but, but, but now we're, is, we, you know, when we throw out QB one, we're saying he's a top 12 quarterback, but like. What mm-hmm. separates these guys from like Sam right Darnold, who's in a pretty good situation all of a sudden? Uh, Justin Fields is a, is a good, if not better, when he is. He's a better passer. He's a, he's a better quarterback, period. He's better than Jalen Hurts. People are kind of getting the Jalen Hurts in their heads and just immediately applying it to Justin Fields. Justin Fields is making all the throws that everybody wanted to go gaga over Zach Wilson for, but everybody just ignored it. He's like, I saw, I forget who it was, but somebody said this, and it's the best thing I've ever seen about Justin Fields this offseason. Every single offseason heading up to the draft, we all want to sit here and say, look at what this quarterback does. Look at what Lawrence does. Look at what Zach Wilson does. Look at what Mac Jones, all this accuracy, all this upside. And it's all like what these quarterbacks can be. Never seen one where it's like, this is what Fields does wrong. Fields can't do this. Fields messes up this. And it was just so baffling. Fields for me, we go back to, you, you and I talked about the draft. The easy number two for me, ahead of Wilson, ahead of Lance, ahead of Mac Jones, ahead of he is the like like not even close in my opinion number two quarterback in this draft class, that talented and you bring in that rushing upside and you have Allen Robinson and you have a nice offense with Darnell Mooney and this is not the best offense, but I don't think it's that much worse or that much indifferent from the Jets. So you bring in that rushing upside of what Fields can be, and you tell me Fields versus Hurts. Fields is the better passer. There's no question about it. So Fields is low end, 
but low end because of the quarterback risk, because he does struggle at times with some progressions. And he does kind of have the Daniel Jones at times where it get the ball a little bit loose away from him. So you do have to concern about that with the wind up more, not as much the turnovers as it is the wind up to get the ball back into throwing motion. Um, but those are why he's low end and not already, you know what? I'd, I, I think you could see like a Kyler Murray progression for him. Okay. And if that's the case, then he's going to be an ultra valuable fantasy quarterback because I would assume that Kyler Murray is going to be one of the first, I mean, five for sure, probably three quarterbacks off the board. Mm-hmm. You're really pounding that water, aren't you? I've, <laughs> I'm i in a medicine that dries out my throat. Ah, okay. So you can let me talk for a second now with Trevor <laughs> Lawrence in redraft leagues, at least. I don't know if I would take him over Hertz or Brady or Burrow or Tannehill or that. He feels like he's a higher upside player than a lot of those guys, but I think you have to wait some of the downside of being a rookie quarterback on Jacksonville too. Yeah, and it's funny you said that. For right now, as of today, now these are my rankings without projections. I do my projections for the draft kit and then re-rank. But right now, so Hertz is 10 for me, Brady 11, Lawrence 12, Tannehill 13, Fields 14, Burrow 15. Okay. So they're all in that. And that's usually like the flat range at quarterback once we look back at the yeah. end of the season. They're right. separated by like 10 points. Yep. And I do, as I, I have Her- I have Herbert at nine ahead of all of them. Oh, yeah. I, and I, I have concerns I, I about Herbert. So. I, I feel like that would be probably pretty consensus, right? That Herbert would be that high. It, actually, I've seen, Her- I've seen Herbert go as high as six because yeah. you have the uh, Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson concerns. I mean, is there actually a concern with Aaron Rodgers? It's not like he's not going to be starting somewhere week one. Deshaun Watson, I get. Rodgers is going to be starting somewhere week one. Yeah, but the people are like, well, what if he's on, I don't know. Although he's on the Broncos, that's actually better. It's it's a much, I mean, yes, you lose Devontae Adams, but you gain everywhere else. (laughs) You legitimately have one of the deepest, assuming Sutton's healthy. Um, But yeah, I I think that's really, my, my concern with Herbert is the last few games of the season um i just saw some of like i'm, I'm not for don't lose your mind i'm not saying he's jared Goff. i already admitted i was wrong about herbert but you saw some of the signs where the nfl team started to figure him out a little bit they started baiting him into some throws they started to rein him in a little bit and i'm not saying an entire offseason of justin herbert developing can't offset this so we talk about I know you don't a lot because it's baseball, but like batters adjusting to pitchers and the pitcher adjusts back and then the batter adjusts back to him. So, you know, NFL defenses are, are adjusting. They're, they're figuring out Herbert. They haven't stopped him yet. My only concern is he takes a little bit of a regression. I'm not saying huge, just a little bit. And all of a sudden he's QB 12, which isn't a huge drop off, but I'm not, I'm not going to be one of the people that invest in him as QB six is that's what I'm getting at. All right. We need to get out of here. So very quickly, one, two, three, four, five QB dynasty rankings. Oh, QB, they're, they're, oh, you want them in order? Yeah. Sequentially, Lawrence, if possible. Yeah. Lawrence, Fields, I'll chase the upside of Trey Lance, and then go Wilson and Mac Jones. All right. That will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience. A nice dip of the toe back into season-long and dynasty fantasy football rankings. I'm excited to go through position by position and come up with like the short list before we really duke it out when I make my position by position rankings and really go at it. Because you know I'm going to have the <laughs> biggest losers high on my list. <laughs> Travis Etienne. Travis Etienne. You just look up how French people say the name because it's a French name. And I then know how they say the name. I, it doesn't sound like you do. Try to pronounce it the way that I pronounce it. You, I did. You did. Etienne. Etienne. 
Si, Jake, tu ne parles pas en français, tu ne comprends pas. Ça, c'est là un problème. That's the thing. You need to have the rolling... Yeah, you need to have the rolling accent if you're going to parler la français. Anyway, at all in, kid, what do you got going on football-wise over there? Yeah, so this week is the top five quarterback breakouts for 2021. So there you go. Got that. And then that's running backs. Is it Justin Justin Fields? You'll have to tune in and see, but there's a good chance he's number one. Okay. I'm Pat Mayo. No, you can follow not. me at the PME <laughs> on Twitter. Subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience. Smash the like, sub to the channel, and do everything you got to do. Way more football coming at you very, very soon. So get excited, people. It's fantasy football season. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo Experience. Experience.